0: Hey everyone, Nathan here. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about the upcoming live episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Which is David's other podcast, where he has really wonderful and candid and insightful chats with bands and musicians, from Australia and all over, including recent Hottest 100 Successes, uh, Camp Cope. Yeah. She realised that we weren't going to ruin her songs. Hockey Dad. Fuck, I'm stuck with drums. I oh. didn't know how to play. And Amy Shark. thinks I'm overrated. He doesn't even know me. Uh, the recent episode with Gordy was just so good. I had the last show in Munich and I went back to my hotel room. And I put my hands on the chair in front of me and I just cried. To celebrate 100 episodes, uh, All My Friends Are In Bar Bands is doing a live episode in Sydney. I don't think I'm allowed to tell you who the guests are yet, but I do know them. And whoa. (laughs) It's on 28th of April, Saturday afternoon at the Red Rattler in Marrickville. Starts at 2, it's $10 on the door. We'll throw all the details and everything on Facebook. We can't wait. And hopefully see you there. I think it's going to be a pretty magic afternoon.
1: Gentlemen. Have a good podcast. (coughs) (laughs) The official dab has been (laughs) (laughs) dabbed.
2: Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 99 we are hottest 100s and thousands and we've taken control of your radio station this is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the triple j hottest 100 my name is david james young and i'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so joining me once again andrew mcdonald very happy to be at the top end harrison <laughs> whoa okay uh, nathan hi <laughs> Adam Butcher. Hi, Andrew?
3: Yes. Yes.
1: Uninterrupted. I love you. Thank you, David. <laughs> 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 ah, yes. Oh. Some of that really good ASMR that we know yeah, before. Like, yeah. <laughs> the smooches on the
2: monitor. <laughs> it is. All right. Enough fucking about. Let's 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 get real. Let's get serious. Uh, Top twenty. No more bullshit. The other eighty songs, they don't count. They're, they're done. <laughs> yeah,
1: simply the prelude. Yeah. Simply the entree. Act one, act
2: two, they don't matter. Everyone remembers act three, and we are in the third motherfucking act. So let's have our cake and eat it too. At number twenty, it's the return of cake with "I Will Survive."
4: At first, I was afraid. I was petrified. I kept thinking. Break me with desire Did you think i crumble? Did you think i lay down and die? Oh God, I I will survive Yeah, as long as I know how to love I know I'll be alive I've got all my life to live I've got all my love to give I will survive I will survive
2: Cake, coming in at number 20 in the 1997 Hottest 100 That is a song called, I Will Survive, that they wrote, and no <laughs> one can take away from them. Thank you, sad. <laughs> sad. <laughs> Alright, who's who's had their heart broken? Andrew? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, have, have you survived?
3: Yeah, I got through it. Hey, thanks, look! Uh, thank, well, uh, this was, I mentioned before, my early love of cake, when I had <laughs> the, the Fashion Nugget CD, mm. and... I definitely didn't know Gloria Gaynor. So this was the mm. original, not for like ever, but for years. Really? And, then when, I, and then when I heard the, the disco version... I
4: will
3: <laughs> Even now,
4: <laughs> it's, it,
3: it's weird. Like, you were the right person to start talking
2: about yeah. this song. It's <laughs> um,
1: wild.
2: Mate, that's pretty good. I'll see that and raise you... I heard Imagine by a Perfect Circle when I was 13 years old.
4: Imagine... All I definitely
2: what? thought it was theirs. That's a grim one. Oh, <laughs> baby. Yes,
3: um, <laughs> last time we spoke about Cake for their original um, The Distance, that obviously I'm surprised this is higher. Um, uh, yeah, I'm surprised any song is higher than
0: that. Yeah, The
4: Distance is, de- <laughs> the
3: Distance is definitely the song they're kind of known for now, like, apart from like Short Skirt. But like I said last time, one thing I love about Cake, the sing-spoken lyrics, and obviously it carries through here. And even if it is a cover, it still sounds quintessentially a Cake song now that I'm not a child, (laughs) and I I can say everybody knows there's a Gloria Gaynor tune, the empowering nature of the original is so, like, stepping out, obviously very female-centric, and just like, I'm coming out, it's going to be good, fucking A, positivity, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And, but, because John McCree can't do... non-baritone based (laughs) droll this sounds kind of more insular and like it's positivity to it all but just like what he's doing they're like I should've changed my fucking luck I used to cry (laughs) he's a grim guy and like (laughs) it sounds more melancholic in like this weird way obviously there's heaps of irony in this song and it's fun and that but I do think they must've loved the original I don't think it was them having a lend oh totally
0: I think everything that Kate covers is out of love yeah and like a very pure love for, for all those styles yeah yeah.
1: Also, just the difference between those two tones, I think, is kind of interesting. Just in terms of it being a male and female perspective, and the different ways that heartbreak kind of manifests itself. in, yeah, in terms it, of those
3: relationships, just occurring to me now. But it's so funny, right? Like apart from like the uh, the couple of additional swears because it was the '90s mm. and it was fun to swear. You got to have them swears. Got to have right. those. Mate, swears. It's fun to
2: swear
0: now. Gloria yeah. hates it for
3: that. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Like, again, the original is. Not wholesome per se, but it is. There's, there's a radiant positivity to the original. Yeah. And adding yeah. in some swears, and the fact that just adding the swears and it's John's voice, even though it's the same lyrics, it does give it like this male perspective of a heartbreak. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Kaker's done that numerous times. They, all, they write heaps of heartbreaky kind of songs that in like, I guess it's a steeped in country songwriting, right? To write mm. about heartbreak. Um, but like, there's so much fun in this song. Like when that, when the, the, that weird solo comes in towards the end, heaps good. <laughs> The yeah, horns, always as really always. Oh, yeah, are the hero of cake like just this, this heroic horn line at the end well it like, carries
1: through the the string line that's so iconic yeah, in, yeah. in the original um, and translating that into horns I think is just a really great choice for Cake in terms of their aesthetic and what they're doing with this I think the bass line needs a shout out it's yeah. so it's so active and travelling and busy yeah. and that's just, the thing, it's all so, five of so them good. are
2: always on their shit, yeah. like they always make that shit work, yeah. like the drums are so in the pocket, every time the trumpets come in it's just the most triumphant thing in the goddamn universe
1: so I agree with everything that you've said and I I think it is, you know, like a fun musical you, you song. You hate this song. All that.
2: Uh, however. Yeah,
1: here's the however, right.
2: Here comes th- the other shoe.
1: I think this kind of strays a little bit into the territory, which I kind of hate. And I actually know you do as well, Andrew, because we've talked about it. I know this, what you're going to say. Of, like, the white indie band ironically covering a something other than that. Yeah, And doing it in a because- kind of this weird, ironic way and trying to, like make that seem like it's a thing. Like when bands cover, like, a a hip-hop song, but they sing it. I don't think it's that entirely, but it reminds me of that, and because because of that, I, I... had a little bit more trouble enjoying it.
3: Because the original's by a black woman in music that's situated in gay culture. Yeah. And Cake are extremely white, extremely hetero dudes. That's kind of it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's it's like, I'm sure they were doing it, as Nathan
1: said, out of love. Um, I'm sure there was a deep appreciation to it, but it's hard for them not to kind of like see them positioning themselves in place of that and kind of like pointing to themselves in it for it being a little bit ironic yeah, because of I, that. And that tone I, kind of annoys me.
3: I, I can see that. And I, I definitely, I think that, that the, the, the trope of the white indie band doing a, a like a version of a black rap song yeah. and like come out with fun ways to not say the N-word. Uh, Obviously that trope is sickening. Uh, just, just don't do that cover. Ninjas. Yeah. Am I just right? Just do a different song. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's the ICP. Whoop, whoop. Thing. They always say, like, my, my little ninjas. Well, this is when ICP do it, it's a thing. Yeah. Like, but but when, I don't know.
2: The... If you motherfuckers aren't down to clown, then I'm out.
3: <laughs> but I definitely think that um, Magnets. this cover predates that trope of being problematic.
1: Yeah. I'm definitely applying. Contemporary. I'm going to Google cake
2: problematic yeah. now and see what comes up.
1: You're going to find some weird cakes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're going to find
1: It's definitely me where I am now, having experienced other things. You know what, this is really similar to the time when we talked about Ben Harper and me going like, yeah, but it reminds me mm. of all of the other coastal yeah, chill yeah. stuff that really annoyed me in the early 2000s. Even though at the time we were talking about a song that predated that a lot, it's just like, I've already lived through that. And so when this pops up, it can't help but remind me of of that.
0: That sucks. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah, I think as well in the 90s, the attitude to disco... Not that it was com- like completely disposable, but, but it was gauish and yeah, yeah. It, in a fun way. Whereas now, I think maybe we find the things in it that were valuable uh, socially as well as musically. Sure. And so maybe good. we're a bit more I mean, sensitive to that kind of cover now. Yeah, I don't know. I'm the same. It's it's very like, how do you approach this cover? It's incredibly fun. But I think there's always that part of me at the back that is just like, hmm, all right, like other people cannot like this cover and they are fully entitled to. Oh, for, yeah, like if entirely we, legitimate reasons. Yeah, like, sure. Necessi- yeah. Like, I can understand
3: Gloria, if it's her favorite cover, I get it. Yeah. And if you were, um, like, it's actually, like, when you said about, like, the disposability of disco, which was partly, like, I I know there was when disco was first kicking off. And there was the count there was the reaction to it. Part of it was steeped in a um like I guess like a punk ethos of like this is commercialized market like and it is. It's probably the most commercial market driven music in the world. But also it is it was mainstream, popular, black, gay culture. Yeah. And, yeah. like, yeah, to yeah, write yeah. that off is... That's why when they did that um, that Death to Disco burning, it was a very popular thing in America. One DJ had this idea of having a Death to Disco night because he thought that disco was a disposable media countering the real, honest rock music. He wanted everybody to bring their disco records to a football field, and they made a bonfire of them and burned them. Disco and, and, <laughs> and um, <laughs> oh like... A, A, weird, <laughs> weird because Don't you still know. had to purchase the record. So
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. who's laughing? <laughs>
3: and B, there's heaps of reports of people just bringing music that isn't disco. People, people, people bringing Marvin Gaye records. Yeah. people bringing right. Chuck Berry records. Right, things that, and it's just like okay. Oh, right you just don't like black people making yeah. music. That's what you don't like. And yeah, like, that's, that's obviously that's rooted in the hatred of disco. And, that's and part- there's,
0: a, there's a clear echo to how a lot of people reacted to hip hop as it sort of became. And still react to hip hop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah.
3: But, and I, and again, that's a, that's a bit of a diversion, but that is part of the reaction that disco is rooted in homophobic racism. Yeah. But I truly think that like, and again, it is me having heard this way before I knew the Gloria Gaynor one because I yeah, was six true. when I, this came out or whatever when, you,
1: when things were purer
3: yeah, yeah. Um, and I hear those criticisms and if anybody particularly like a black or gay or female is to this song didn't like it they have all the reason in the world to not like it but I'm yeah. really not that person
0: and I really like this song I think it's a heaps good cover Same, Sam Cake is always very good at it but I love how far behind the beat the vocals are yeah. Yeah. all the time oh, that kind of oh, irks, irks me to be oh, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm there for Really, like, I go to this song okay. because I love each song bleeding like <laughs> halfway into the next line it's fucking sick
3: that I've got all my love <laughs> to yeah, give yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah no It
0: kind way. of trips over itself that's yeah. so good
2: you know what, you want to find a more fucking offensive version of I Will Survive... Look up when this song was used for a Weetabix ad in the UK. As long as I've had Weetabix. I'm I'm sorry? Yeah, no, that's a real fucking thing. Look it up. To me, that's a way more fucking offensive version than anything Kate doing here. Honest to God, man. Obviously, there's a bit of a wink and a bit of irony and whatever going on here, but like, this was obviously a song that was massive when they grew up, and it's cool to have it flipped into a different perspective. Having it be that sassy character, kind of kick off and then to turn it into this downtrodden like yeah no oh, i will survive it's not i will survive i'm gonna get over this it's just like oh, i'll survive what doesn't kill you right that's what makes a great cover for me if you're doing just a shot for shot remake then good on you but like at the same time i'm not probably gonna be particularly interested in your cover but if you're able to do something like this and like give it a new context give it a new idea you know Take some, take something from the original and give it a new home and new surroundings. I think that's really cool, and I think Cake uh, deserves a little bit of credit for that. Just quietly, just quietly. I never do anything for just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I-, I just wanted to say I really like this song, and I think Cake did Cake did a great job, and I think we should all listen to more Cake because if we listen to more Cake, then. I think everyone will be okay, and maybe if we're all okay,
3: um... I feel like I've found is... so many things to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like everybody's dragging me as the guy who not ironically listens to ASMR. <laughs> so
0: it's all exhausted. We've already done an ASMR. Yeah. I know <laughs> we're running out
4: of ideas. <laughs>
0: You bring something to the table
1: there yeah. <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll yes and Oh my god <laughs> Come in with an offer <laughs> Strong <laughs> offers is what we're after Space jump, motherfuckers
2: <laughs> Yeah We should do one episode where we all whisper And then another episode where we all shout <laughs> we've, we've already done the shouting episode <laughs> <laughs> Sorry <laughs> and number 19 it's Regurgitator This is Everyday Formula coming in at number 19 in the 1997 Hottest 100. That is Everyday Formula. It is track number two from the album Unit. It is also track number two from the album Unit Rebooted, which came out in 1998.
1: I think the most egregious version of this track is when they used it for an ad for Baby Formula. Ooh! Yeah. Did they I really do that? No, it's oh. throwing back to the Weetabix thing. Oh, okay. Weedabix! Yeah. Oh, that's Having enjoyed. a riff. Yeah, yeah I get it. Because apparently just... we can't do ASMR, <laughs> so I'm trying to bring <laughs> new ideas to the table,
0: Nathan. <laughs> okay. My opinion of advertising is so low that I expected them <laughs> to do, do that. actually <laughs> To, <laughs> <do> that. <laughs> to <laughs> make this terrible decision. <laughs> yeah. what was well, the, what was one of the suits
1: all... who listens to us is just sitting there going like... Yeah,
2: that's, that's a good idea! It is interesting to point out, though, just continuing on from that sick riff, that... For a lot of, like, you know, cooler than thou people, this was Gurgis' sellout moment. Yeah. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. I've talked to people in their mid 30s or whatever that were around when this blew up. And at the time, Gurge were like the weird underground heroes and to have like accessible poppy songs, not only getting played on the radio, but briefly getting played on like commercial radio and like getting in the ARIA charts and performing at the Arias and all that kind of stuff. Being talked about in the same breath as like human nature. They were in smash hits. You know, you'd open up Smash Hits and there'd be a picture of fucking Regurgitator, the kind of people that would have been bullied by the people on the very next page in high school. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Corn on the next page. page.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no way we're corn the fucking bullies at high school, man. No, that's true. Have you heard the end of that corn record where he just cries about his dad for 10 minutes straight? That's a real thing. That's, Look cl- it up. that's classic
1: bully, though. Yeah, <laughs> It's called
2: Daddy. This is not the Daddy episode.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I get those criticisms of this song, because it is...
2: I was getting to it. I was getting to, like, having said that this fucking slaps like Unit fucking rules and I will kick anyone in the fucking throat that says otherwise
1: Unit was deliberately going for a more poppy sound this is what the band was interested in at the yeah, time Yeah, yeah, and they knew that it was going to put some old fans offside which is why this was released as the first single because mm. they in their own words they wanted to ease people into it and I think <laughs> and like, fair enough too yeah and musically you can kind of hear the, its relationship to their previous stuff you know especially Blubber Boy which we talked about previously mm-hmm. I oh think. what a hit the energy the kind of huge guitar Tone really steely, um, I think, is very much reminiscent of that. But you've got that beautiful kind of almost spider baitish little yeah yeah, yeah, Casio keyboard. Casio keyboard, you know, this is so
0: close to Calypso in the countdown, but it's also like you know, you put this musically on the radio, like this is in the exact same space. Like it's a fun short poppy rock song.
1: Yeah, and really matches to what the song is actually about, or at least the read that I get from it. It's kind of like commenting on how life and society, especially in late capitalist culture, is really just about hey, everything's okay, everything's totally okay, it's all fine. Whereas realistically, everything is chaos, and we just are constantly in denial of that, and constantly trying to move away from that. Which is why the opening is talking about just how absurd a toilet is. No, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's what the, that's what the first verse is about.
3: lyrics saying every day I shit into the. City. See, it's strange, but it doesn't mean much to me. Right, In all time you're kind of disshopping that shit. You're putting a,
1: a, a toilet on display and going like this thing that we take every day for being normal is a little bit weird. Um, yeah. Also, the line uh, about talking to machines, you know, like, hey, guys, writing that in the 90s kind of... Uh, that's only become more relevant. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, which uh-huh. which, which uh-huh. is interesting because also something that else has become more relevant is the the kind of 80s a- aesthetic that Unit was playing yeah, with. Yeah,
2: sure. I mean, yeah, they were doing the,
1: that here. And the, now because the
3: video for this is a Tron homage.
4: <laughs> it is, too. Yeah. Very, yeah.
3: very yeah. on Fucking
1: ripper video. Trend, very on trend for what's going on with music at the moment, like what would come around in music. Yeah. 20, really, 20 years
2: later. 20 yeah. years later. <laughs> Doing a Prince homage years before he died. Yeah, <laughs> <Sure.
0: laughs> I also think what a blessing for mainstream Australian music industry to get to have a bit of regurgitator. Like, totally. That's so good for the landscape to see oh, a band man. like this in magazines and stuff. Musically and creatively, like, regurgitator is a band that I think is missing in a lot of ways from the contemporary Australian music landscape, like yeah. we don't we don't get stuff d- like this anymore. We don't
2: have like yeah, like a set group of like weirdos.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. We talk about it a lot. It's one of the things that um, with the way that the internet has changed the way we consume and create and distribute music. One thing that is lost is the weirdness in the mainstream. Like there's there's more weird music than ever out there, but in mainstream culture, there's less presence of it anywhere yeah. at all.
2: Who do you think are the current weirdos of Australian music?
3: Let yeah, us right know. In. Let actually, let us know because yeah. I would like to listen to them, please. Yeah,
2: <laughs> let, let's hang out, let's be friends.
3: But this, I reckon, like musically, like apart from the Casio keyboard riff, it's probably one of Regurgitator's more straightforward pieces of music. But like, yeah. it's so fun, high energy. That simple pop punk riff just gets you there. Yeah. Like Quan's always a delight, but you can see him enjoying this song, right? Like it's a blast. This is just Regurgitator having heaps of fun. They never once conform to any idea of what a band should be doing in one kind of style. And it's one of those things that, like, when you always say, like. Like everybody wants their favorite band to explore new territories, but then when they explore territories that you don't like, you're like, "What the fuck? Why don't you make the same thing again?" Yeah. Um, and oh, Regurgitator, no. like, like, like one of those bands that do that more than almost any other band, particularly in Australia, like they don't conform to any one style at all. And then when they do a song, it's just like, oh great, now you're doing hip hop, now you're doing this, now you're doing synth stuff. And then it's like, oh, you did like a pop rock song? What the fuck, man? But that's just always what they've done. Pop rock is equally as like reputable to their wheelhouse as hip hop or synth pop or grunge. Like they, they don't, preface any of them as being, this is the ironic version of this. They just like me- different music. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they do it really goddamn well, obviously, because there's some fucking rules. Can
1: yeah. you imagine how exciting it would be to be a Regurgitator fan and know that a new Regurgitator album is coming out? Don't know what just- to expect. Uh, I've, been I've been there. 100%. I've been there. Right? But that's... What an experience. In like, the 90s
3: it'd be, yeah. You have to go oh, to the
1: yeah. record store and you pick it up and all you're seeing is the, like, the album cover, which maybe you've never even seen before, and a track listing, and you're sitting with that until you get... <laughs> a chance to get home yeah. Yeah. and put it in a thing and actually listen to it. Like, you, there'd be so much anticipation because you have no
3: idea what's on that disc. You put, yeah. it, on, you put it on your anti-skip disc, man. On the bus ride home. bus ride home, but very flat still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shitty, it's gonna be, titty oh, speakers. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You Great. don't
1: know whether it's, like, actually skipping yeah. or it's, like,
0: they put that in there. You have yeah. to wind it back yeah. to find out.
2: Oh, is the CD fucked or is the band fucked? Mm, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's it for Regurgitator, guys. Guess we're all done and dusted there. See ya, guys. Mm. Wink, wink. Mm. Mm. Can, you, can you hear wigs Loud on podcast?
1: <laughs> <clears throat> wait, wait, wait. Actually, wink into the microphone. This is
3: good... No, I There's no, no way it would pick up. You have, you have <laughs> to have yeah. a really delicate mic to pick up eyelashes. Yeah, okay. I, the ASMR is dead then.
2: <laughs> well, we had a dance to I Will Survive. We had a push-mosh to regurgitate a, I wonder what fucking banger we're going to drop next. Oh, goddamn! It's Nick Cave and the motherfucking bad scenes make some noise for Into My oh.
4: I don't believe been an interventionist god but i know darling that you do but if i did i would kneel down and ask him of him when it came to you well not to touch a hair in your head leave you as you are he felt he had to direct you and direct you into my arms into my arms oh lord into my Into my arms, oh Lord, into my arms.
2: Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds coming back into the Hottest 100 at number 18 in the 1997 Hottest 100. That is a song called Into My Arms. And let's throw now to our residing interventionist god. Mr. Andrew McDonald.
3: Yeah, thank you. Obviously, if someone's just jumping into this episode randomly, like, cards on the table, Nick Cave's one of my favorite artists of all time. I just love that after, with the boys next door and the birthday party and then the early Bad Seeds records and the middle period Bad Seeds records, he's crafted this image as, like... And a worthy image of like this dark, brooding, like, post-punk madman, occasionally peppered with some more delicate beauty that shows that he can write some soft, lovely songs. But uh, after the previous record, Murder Ballads, which has some of his more violent songs musically and lyrically, um, and then just a year later, this is the song that opens the record The Boatman's Call. I think this is just one of the most singular and beautiful love songs of all time. Again, because I'm a Nick Cave tragic, I've got this spoken word uh, Nick Cave lecture that he gave called The Secret Life of the Love Song. And on that, he said that he thinks that the best love songs can't just be pure joy and optimism. They have to be undercut with melancholy. Um, Otherwise, they fall into overly saccharine. And he talks about some like... Who's the blokes who wrote Better Devil You Know Hock?
2: Oh, Stock Aitken Waterman.
3: Stock Aitken Waterman. He talks about some Stock Aitken Waterman things in that and how they write really great love songs that are undercut with melancholy. And he also says in that in that lecture that this is one of the songs he's most proud of writing. And I can absolutely see why, because this is just an absolutely beautiful piece of music. Just soft melancholic piano tones that then like built to a major chord crescendo before the chorus and a simple bass line is the only musical accompaniment for someone who used to who has like a seven piece band and then makes like Music that verges into noise rock is just such a beautiful move. Each of the verses, the, just the three verses, these beautiful, humble statements. So often, when we write about love, we write about how it over encapsulates everything. It's a, a bigger than life force. This thing that is meant to be this overtly powerful thing that is bigger than you can possibly imagine. But in these things, when he just says that, like there are differences between us, but I, but I really believe that I want to hold you and that there's some beauty that we can embrace together as a couple. Yeah. All the lyrics are beautiful, but the, the last one where he says um, that I believe there is some kind of path that we can walk down me and you. That's just so, so human and so real. Because the like the undercut tones of differences between people and the minor key keyboard and like the soft bass give it this sadness, but just saying that like ultimately the best love that you can have is just you, you believe that there's a path that you can walk down together. And you want to light that path together. And it's just absolutely beautiful. I know I'm the irony Waluigi of the group, but I have nothing but, <laughs> but the most sincere respect and awe and love for this song. It's one of my absolute favorite pieces of Nick Cave's discography. I love it so, so, so dearly. When you're in love with somebody and you, this song mm. is just absolutely so pure. And yeah. I presume there'll be love for this song, but if it, even if you all somehow weirdly loathed it, it wouldn't, <laughs> it, wouldn't, oh, it, wouldn't challenge, it wouldn't challenge me at all.
2: I'm absolutely with you. Like, I've always loved this song. For me, the uh, the comparison point is God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Oh, um, because yeah. they both start with a misnomer, right? Mm. So, like, I don't believe in an interventionist God, uh, and I may not always love you.
3: Yeah, like, right. Like, imagine
2: the opening love songs with those fucking things. This is like, hang on, where the fuck are you going with this? And then you listen, and then you find out mm. what they're talking about. Like, he goes into the whole, like, religious imagery and... Brian Wilson goes into, I mean, I'd always love you, but as long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. And then both have these immense fucking choruses. Yeah, it's weird to think about Nick as any kind of properly accessible artist, but he does have some of those choruses that stick with you, man. Mm. Like all the way across his career, he's got these things that will bring people together. This has meant so much to so many people. This gets played at weddings. It gets played at funerals. This gets played probably at bar mitzvahs, you know? (laughs) It's a beautiful, pure fucking song. God Only Knows is regarded as one of the greatest songs of all time. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I will also put that into my arms.
1: I want to pick up on something that you were talking about in terms of, like, that final verse and talking about how it ends with just the simple statement of being together, because I think the wonderful thing about that is that it's juxtaposed against all this big cosmic Mm. Christian imagery talking about God and fate and normally all these things that are associated as being part of love you you talk about you know like God brought us together or you are the one or we're meant to be together or stuff like that and Nick's kind of like rejecting that out of hand in favor of the the far more simple uh, humble but ultimately more real thing of saying like look potentially all we have is you and I. It, it kind of just now is reminding me of um, the Carl Sagan quote.
3: The, the, the one that his wife talking about Carl, um, right, after Carl died. that's the
1: one. And, and they,
3: the, the, I, I literally, it's a, if you haven't read it, I'll, we'll post it when we link the thing. Yeah. Um, it's not music-related at all, but after Carl Sagan died, his wife and fellow astronomer, Andrew, and wrote this thing about how lucky it was to have found Carl in the cosmos it's one of the most beautiful expressions of love i can think of
1: because part of that right is it was is the rejection of the afterlife and saying like we're not going to be together we're not going to see each other again how lucky we were that we found each other in the life and just had the time that we had because i think there's a lot of death in this song
3: weirdly yeah. and
1: there's a lot of fear
3: well he, he played it at michael hutchins
1: funeral i mean that's the that's the Whoa. case in the point yeah
2: holy shit
1: and you can't find footage of that, that. It is
2: like I, yeah. I, I was just saying, that's like an offhanded thing. I didn't know that was real. Yeah, no, yeah. it was. It,
3: it was apparently Michael's favorite Nick Cave oh, song. Oh, that's and so beautiful. The whole work because and because. Oh, and he
2: died this year too in ninety seven. Yeah,
3: there was like cameras there, and Nick made everyone turn their fucking cameras off. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah fair enough sort of, yeah. too. Jesus.
1: It shows the relationship between love and fear, and mm. how basically the combination of love and fear is vulnerability, and I think there is so much vulnerability in this song and i think musically it translates into the way that nick doesn't follow like conventional melody really he allows it to go just a little bit longer or he fits oh, you, too many syllables you tell in. he's like, not a
3: classically trained musician at all
1: but i love that it's like even the like the first line like i don't believe in an intervention is god like mm. the way that fits just melodically is too squeezed in it's if like He has to say those words and I have to be exactly those words because that's the only way he can get across kind of his feelings and be damned if it doesn't fit to music because this is what I have to say and I Mm -hmm. have to say it in this way. And that communicates vulnerability to me in such a strong, powerful way. Like I'm moved just looking at the very lyrics to the song. Hearing the actual song itself is something that I like straight up is so potent that I can't listen to it all the time. I've got to be ready for it preparing for this episode and kind of running through the playlist there's a, there was sometimes i was like okay cool i'm about to do into my arms here it comes i'm ready or sometimes it's like nope not right now yeah <laughs> can't because it hits okay. it, it it hits too close to the i think the relationship that is shared universally that we all have to wanting to be loved and wanting to love and that vulnerability and that fear and it exposes that and brings that to the surface so wonderfully which is what makes it simply one of the best love songs that i can think of
0: agreed yeah. I think something else that you kind of touched on, I think, but it bridges between, like, the poetic and reason, or, like, poetic and the real. Like, there's all this sort of imagery about, like, you know, angels and everything, and that's very much in the language of how we talk about love, even, you know, historically. Like Like John Donne-style poetry. Yeah, like, that you know, love poems. But they, you know, in many ways don't live in the same real world that we do day to day, and I think this song is so wonderful that, at sort of pointing out the floor in that language, but also still finding it and holding on to it. Like, it kind of gets to live in both worlds at the same time. Mm. And that's very beautiful.
3: Mid-90s Nick... Crazy handsome looking dude in his suits, uh, saying, um, I don't believe in the existence of angels, but looking at you, I wonder if that's true. <laughs> oh, god, man, like, <laughs> that's like a line that if it was delivered by anyone
1: Fully else,
4: right. I'd you be like, but yeah, you got to get into it. He just does it. He just sometimes, like,
3: you say things like when you're in a relationship, you say things that, like, actually, I, I think, um, Dan Savage has spoken about this when he talks about, like, being in love with someone and you you say things that are like, I love you to the end of time, these kind of, kind of stuff like that, yeah. which are part of being in a relationship, it's part of being in a friendship, like the idea of even saying a best friend or like anything yeah. like that, that these ideas that, like, we say to reassure the person and to reassure ourselves that we are... Part of the same human collective, because everybody says these things, and we're we're saying these things, I think subconsciously, even to say to reassure that, like, you no, know, no, we we all have the same experiences, and I do love you more than I can explain, or something like that, and but, and to have those ideas, and again, to, like you said, Nathan, to juxtapose them against the practicalities, of just saying, like, I don't believe in interventionist God, but you do. We have a religious clashing of beliefs, but like ideally, I, I wouldn't change a thing about you. You're just a wonderful person. I love spending. I want you in my arms. That's a really lovely way to like. And the other thing as well is, like, the
1: the times that people turn to God when they're not religious, right? It's so when you're yeah. in
3: fear of death. No atheism in foxholes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or I Nick is basically saying that he loves this person so much that he's willing to, you know, say the line, like, if I was going to ask for anything, I'd ask that you come into my arms. Yeah. Like, it's along the same lines of life and death for him, how much he loves this person. Yeah. Like, if there was a museum that was dedicated to love that just like if if you had no idea what love was and you could walk into a building and you could learn through things, I would want this song to be a part of that. Like Agreed. this is this is something it's like, hey what's love? Have a listen to this song and see if you get it. See mm-hmm. if you have some idea because I think it's it's pretty close in terms of what you can communicate in a song.
3: Yeah. Ah it's so beautiful.
2: Hey, Amen. And number 17, this is Quadrazine with crazy... Number 17 in the 1997 Hottest 100 with a song called Crazy. It's time to ask the most important question in the history of the 1997 Hottest 100. Adam. <laughs> yes. Who the fuck is
4: Cordrazine?
1: <laughs> well, Cordrazine is actually a imaginary drug in Star Trek.
2: Better risk a few drops of cordrazine. It's tricky stuff. Ah. Fun
1: fact. Oh, I like them now. Wow. <laughs> uh, so so, except, Adam, yeah. follow-up
2: question. Yes. Who the fuck are cordrazine? Uh, okay, good question.
1: Um, they are a band that were formed in just 1996. They're oh. from Melbourne. They're Australian guys.
2: Yeah, I figured as much.
1: And interestingly enough, they broke up In just 1998,
0: they are just in and out. Flash in the pan, blip on the radar. Well, they had this (laughs) (laughs)
4: fucking round robin in fucking terms. (laughs) (laughs) We're on fire today,
1: baby. (laughs) So they they just had this meteoric rise, Um, and then uh, according to the lead singer Hamish Cohen, they just absolutely could not deal with, you know, the, the press and whatever. He's talked about this a lot because, interestingly enough, the band reformed in 2008. Right. Um, and I believe they're still together. They put out an album in 2010. He's just says, like, the first time around, he just he just didn't understand how much of an invasion of space it was actually going to be. People were, like, coming up to him and asking about the meaning behind the music and then just trying to delve into him psychologically. And he's, like, saying it was just... Hugely invasive. People asking him to go deeper than he has gone like in his life and trying to touch on things that he himself had no awareness of and stuff like that. He's just like found it. Invasive and whatever. He led a very, very interesting life after breaking up the band in uh, in 1998. There's one interview that I found with him in like a in a, like a, a a paper in like Melbourne or whatever, and he's talking about since then he just went travelling, like climbing down mountains, and he's like been held at gunpoint like four different times in four different countries and stuff like that. Fascinating. Three, four <laughs> <country>. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Can <laughs>
0: okay, it's just uh, no one's heard this before? No, no certainly no. no. had no, I think once. like that's pretty fascinating in terms of like this is number one what uh, 17, 17 then, yeah like for this, is, four this us, is definitely the highest song up that none of us have ever heard but that's like that's fascinating that it was so big mm. at that time and then yeah. it disappeared as well like. oh it's 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 absolutely fascinating like to, to have literally never
1: even heard of quadrazine outside of star trek <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then be
0: faced with this i think it's a pretty good song I, I don't uh, think it's uh, bad. It's, it's nice. I can see how people would connect with it emotionally. Yeah. Like, it's a real... It kind of made me think of... Skunk um, Hour? I thought of Skunk Hour. Wow, no. It made me think <laughs> that people at the time might have had a reaction to it in the way that people our age had a reaction to Blood by the Middle East. Oh! As just, whoa. like, a, a hyper-emotional song. I'm not, I'm not comparing it musically. <laughs> well, well, I thinking, I'm,
1: um, I'm a the, blood apologist here. The, the emotional so, reaction. To- Apologising?
0: Everyone what? loves that song. <sighs> yeah, like... Damn right. Yeah. Are you because of like... an
1: apologist like me. Okay. <laughs> all, um,
3: all, all the emotional. I'm connect. a real Beatles apologist. Yeah. They're, they're underrated. <laughs>
0: like, Give them a break, guys. People
2: who
3: fucking say the Beatles are underrated are my fucking mortal
0: enemies, man. Like, the biggest bugbear that ever existed. How because you? cause
3: you're like classic,
1: the Beatles are overrated. Right? Are
0: huge, the Beatles. Like, How can I, the Beatles not be overrated? Yeah.
4: Like,
0: <laughs> in terms of the scale at which things are rated, they're uh, on top. And oh, yeah. the idea of overrated. the exist, surely they are it. But this, yeah, I hadn't heard of it, and honestly
3: like, I can see why at the time this would have had an emotional connection, because it is it has that Buckley-esque, like, not sappiness, but like, emotionality that Careful. is just like, no, 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 I I reckon these guys love Grace, like, everyone loves Grace, but I reckon these guys really wanted to make that kind of sounding music, and that's fine, it's worth trying to do things that you love. But yeah. like, I don't know, this really didn't connect with me, and I think that like, when things are overly sincere, and they don't connect with you. They really don't connect. Yeah, and it's, that, it's that's something that's we've covered in the past. And yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I don't really see it as that, like that emotional. To be honest, I just see it more as like, as I said, like- require on ketamine. <laughs> Jk. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's
1: what I'm saying. So that's where it comes from. It's official. He's, he's just sitting on the couch, being like, "Does anyone else see this floor moving? <laughs> <laughs> anyone else? See-
2: no, yeah." He's-
4: Virtual Insanity yeah. video? Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like oh, he's oh, he's- He can feel normal <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know This so so good at for dancing.
0: real <laughs> Him dancing on Non-moving floors Is a mess He just falls like a <laughs> He's
2: got like Two left feet He just tripp- <laughs> Drops his hat <laughs>
3: Walks into the kitchen The next morning Goes Was that boogie for real? <laughs>
4: Uh, trying to move, uh, you,
3: you know, when you wear a hat and it blows off, and you try and get it, and it gets blowing away. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's the trip he was stuck it, on. Yeah, yeah. My oh. hat, my
2: hat. <laughs> oh shit, is that Dave Grady? <laughs> he has a hat big enough for two. So <laughs> it's so vote. Like, quickly, JK, okay, get uh, under my get
3: hat. hat. <laughs> I'm sure we'll probably get some. Feedback from people who are saying sort of like, "What the shit, man! This is a great song. I love it, blah, 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 blah. We've already had it. There you um, go. Yeah, oh, we, one, one listener has actually um,
1: shouted us out and said like, oh, "I'm really excited to uh, to be hearing about Ooh, coming man. up." Yeah, yeah. I think
2: it's
0: pretty good. I definitely don't, yeah.
2: but I reckon the fact we've been riffing on fucking Jamiroquai for longer uh, than we've been talking about this fucking song, I feel like we'd do that no matter what. The song yeah, is. yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we were this close to
3: doing it during Nick
1: Cave. Yeah. <laughs> like,
4: like, I can feel <laughs>
3: it trying to find the uh the responses to this song people have um, i was looking at like like you always i was looking at the uh the youtube comments like uh, no i didn't like recall any, but everyone was like oh man oh my teenage angst is all coming back to me and everyone like had really sincere connections with this song so yeah, that's why cool. like if, no it's not for me i'm not going to badmouth it yeah, exactly. because like people really connected with
0: this motherfucker i think it's a well-crafted song for what it's doing it's just like it doesn't grab me yeah I, I, that's I, fine
2: oh, oh oh are we what? still going i've just been looking up jamiroquai <laughs> tattoos <laughs> 16. This is. Who do we credit this to? Is it Baz Lerman? Is it Quindon Tarver? Is it the motherfucker who did the speech?
0: Well, it, uh, are you, are you asking? Because, st- uh, I mean, Wiki on, on the Hottest 100 says, page, Quindon. says Quindon. Quindon Tarver? But I say Baz. Yeah. Yeah, it's Baz. Baz Feet Quindon Tarver.
2: How, how about we go Quindon Tarver X?
0: Oh, Baz Lerman, it. yeah, you know, yeah. Let,
2: let's t- switch it up, twenty eighteen styling. You know what we're talking about. This is everybody's free to wear
5: sunscreen, ladies and gentlemen, of the class of ninety seven. Wear sunscreen. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. In 20 years, you look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You are not as fat as you imagine. Don't worry about the future. Or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubble gum. The real troubles in your life are apt to be things that never crossed your worried mind. The kind that blindsides you at 4 p.m. on some idle Tuesday. Do one thing every day that scares you.
2: And number 16, that was Jamiricoir with everybody's uh-huh. free to wear sunscreen. Nathan,
5: <laughs> yeah. you
2: know this book is for real. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. can you tell us about the great Jamiricoir? Well, look, I mean, we all love Jamiricoir. Yeah, Cosmic Girl. Yeah. I
0: want
2: right. to get the. We should all get the matching tattoos, man. I want, I want the little alien dude with the horns. Let's, let's Look, do it. JK. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, this, is, uh, this was in the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. Uh, Baz yes. Luhrmann put it together, uh, taking, I think it's a fake commencement speech. Yeah, it's, an, it's yeah. a Chicago Times op-ed. Yeah, written as a commencement, uh, as a commencement speech. speech by uh, Mary Schmidt. Read by uh, Lee Perry, Australian uh, actor and oh, voiceover. I thought
2: it meant Lee Scratch, Scratch Perry for no, a second. I mean, no. No way. No way. <laughs>
0: I bet he has to deal with that all the time.
2: Um, <laughs> That's why he's Lee Scratch Perry. Like Michael Jordan and Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no, I'm Lee Scratch <laughs> Perry. <laughs>
0: And uh this is an absolute piece of shit. And
4: <laughs> That's also on yeah. the Wikipedia
0: page. I hate this song so much. It's fucking putrid, man. It's, it's just so fucking putrid. Disgustingly puerile, shallow. <laughs> like, it just sucks. Like... On every, like, musically...
4: Drag <laughs> <There's nothing nothing laughs> <to laughs> <speak laughs> him!
0: Drag him! Yeah. So the speech itself, like, I think commencement speeches are a pretty trite form, and to write one... You have to be a goddamn genius to write an okay yeah, one. Yeah, there are good speeches, but then the idea that that's a form that's worth pursuing outside of that context is completely untrue. And this one is just shit. Like, it's so shallow. But it's, it's shallow in a way that, like, it's like a mummy blog shallow of, like... <laughs> oh. Don't pay attention to beauty magazines. Oh, fuck that! What? Like, yeah. That's <laughs> not, not an, an interesting mouth. idea! Like, the, the banal
3: placative is something that I understand that, like, there are times where you, if you are utterly needing it, like, like it will get better, like, there's more fish in the sea, these banal placatives, they have, they serve a purpose, To take it one day at a time, if you're trying to lose weight, get sober, whatever, they, they, okay. they, they stick around for a reason, because you can cling to them, but to, like write a fucking speech composed entirely of them and then try to ground it in some kind of like things like but hey trust me on the sunscreen man and then turn that into a song Uh, Baz
0: everybody uh, involved get your hands off it it's so bad (laughs) it's just like they think they're winking the whole time they're like oh you know like this is a bit too but really like, but yeah they just have no idea this is just like A shitty Hallmark card that someone thinks is a really important song and that they're being really clever by turning it into a song? I fucking hate this so much.
3: It is so, so (laughs) sickeningly white middle class bullshit, man. To to have any advice that says, live in New York, but leave before you get too hard. Fuck that shit, man. That's the same kind of thing that's like... The same people that say, like, um, the... Life is a book and if you don't travel you've never left the first page. Dude man, some people are poor. Yeah, some people, right. Some people are like queer black people who haven't got the fucking privilege
0: to go and yeah. live in New York for a, to like Do one thing every day that scares you. That is such a fucked up middle class idea of what being, being scared is. is. Like, uh. Being scared is being shot by the cops. Being yeah. scared is like not knowing how you're going to feed your kid. Like yeah. it's not Ooh, maybe, I'll, like, maybe I'll yeah, have herituning. a different coffee today. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, right?
3: Yeah, this is garbage, garbage, garbage noise.
4: Oh, I <laughs> want, it like, makes me so oh, angry. Yeah. Like, I want to
2: I, I, super I, kick everyone that has ever been involved with this fucking song except John Safran. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we'll
3: talk about that later on, listeners. Oh, yes, <laughs> we, we will. will. Uh, yes, like, we will. It, it sounds kind of crap, but I, on paper, the idea of just having ambient techno backing and some spoken word isn't intrinsically bad, but no. I like, I have a moral objection to this song. And the fact that it's popular speaks volumes about Brainwashing. Like, and then I, 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 I don't want to get all this is. The Frankfurt School of Marxist economic theory.
2: <laughs> oh, I, knew <laughs> it was, it I knew I knew it was coming.
1: Yeah, I mean, this. This, the, the old Frankfurt the, School. Yeah, the
3: journey yeah, yeah, to me yeah, the Andrew like,
1: Bingo. Frankfurt School. There yeah, we go. Oh, Cross it off, guys. Like
3: the like um the Hochheimer Adorno idea of like. <laughs> well, there's uh, another one. Yeah, the two writers. <laughs> um, there's two brilliant German uh, Jewish Marxists who left before the Nazis came into power, and they wrote these ideas about like cultural, like what now. What now? When people use the term cultural Marxist, what they're really just saying is you care about the rights of people who aren't white and that's not what originally cultural Marxism meant it meant using Marxist ideas of economics and applying them to culture and the ideas of like mainstream populist culture is a form of capitalist brainwashing this is fucking brainwashing
0: wow this is feel good like proto-neoliberalism yeah it is exactly that you can change the world by by changing yourself respecting yourself in the mirror every day for five minutes before you go and work at your shitty job and you contribute to something that is just shit
2: and you know what Mm -hmm. fucking pisses me off the most that Everybody's Free Itself fucking rules. The original Everybody Rosella. Everybody's free to feel What a fucking banger of a song. Like, to turn that into a funeral. To...
3: What is also uh, very funny about this song is because is that um this is not just from the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. There's oh, actually, boy. There's a Baz Luhrmann solo record.
2: Oh, yes, there is.
3: Um, which is all songs from his various films, I think up to and including Moulin Rouge, where he... Took songs from the soundtracks and reworked them into songs like this, which is I haven't heard it because I don't respect yourself th- too yeah, much. Yeah. This destroys art. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um.
1: So the way that most people learnt about this this piece from the from the Chicago mm. uh, Tribune, Tribune, yeah, um, viral email. Classic, man. It's oh classic. Forward, forward, so forward. This forward. is a viral level of a song. Forward,
2: is forward. It... R-E-R-E-R-E-R-E-R-E. Forward, R-E, 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 forward, forward, but, forward, forward, forward. But R-E, R-E, literally... But
3: Yeah. Now, the worst part about that... I know what you're going to say,
2: and it's uh-huh. fucking disgusting, It is...
1: It. And... You'll hate the, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, uh, you'll hate this do even so, more. I'm, 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 ready, I'm ready to make Nathan rage. It was wrongfully, so oh. wrongfully attributed to. As a real commencement speech. No, oh. no,
0: it's not. It's gotta be.
1: Kurt Vonnegut.
0: Oh my <laughs> god!
4: <laughs>
1: now, 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 now. now. Uh one of, I think, probably shared in the room a favorite writer of pretty much yes. all of us. He was the man. He is. The, he's the absolute man. And to his credit, Kurt Vonnegut uh, heard about this and just politely said, no, no, it wasn't me. But if it was me, I would have been
3: proud to have written it. He was a humble old man by this point in his life. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um,
3: it's exactly that kind of thing, and the, the reason that like it worked as a viral email, I guess, in the '90s when people, and even in the '2000s, people were sending me things around that were like that, works because it requires absolutely zero critical thought to engage with, and it it, make, it makes you think that I can be a better person, and therefore the world be, will be better. It's that neoliberal lie. And you know how I know. Or well, you know how we can, we can safely hypothesize that Baz
1: Luhrmann heard about this through viral email himself? In the viral email, it was wrongfully attributed to Kurt Vonnegut. And and there's a story of Baz hearing it or, or getting the text and whatever and saying, like, oh, I really want to put this into a song, but I really don't have... We want to. We don't have enough time to get this cleared through the office of, of Kurt Vonnegut and all those kinds of things. Then learning through searching on the net that it actually wasn't, that was wrongfully attributed or whatever, and getting clearance in, like, a day from the actual person who did write And be like, well, thank God for that. Otherwise, oh, the song man. might never have existed. Do and, this song. You know what? And this song became a chain email of a song because it blew up in the US. It was absolutely it's huge. This is a huge song. Um, it was translated into German, Brazilian, oh Russian,
3: and Swedish. They're updated. There's versions on YouTube that uh, that I think it's... it's If it's not it's someone doing a spot-on impersonation of the voice, they change a couple lines, like, like to the class of 2007. Like, there are updated versions of it. Oh, also, his great. voice is... His voice That's all we need. His voice is dumb. Like... <laughs>
1: He's he's like he's an Australian voice actor putting on this weird American accent and it's just and just through his delivery throughout the whole thing, like aside from like what he's saying, just the way he's
3: saying it is just often irksome. Know- main meaning reach ultimate communion of crap. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know how they should have gotten? Bloody Ben Mendelsohn, mate. <laughs> that would
3: have been. <laughs> yeah. That would have been Sunscreen,
1: <laughs> but it's like it's like just like, like shit. Better wear it. He's, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna
3: fucking fight
1: me. <laughs>
2: hey, How you going, mate? <laughs> yeah. You haven't talked to the cops, have you?
3: <laughs> so yeah, you've been, you've been wearing that sunscreen, haven't you? This this song, man. <laughs> yeah, but trust me on the
2: sunscreen. On three, one, yeah, two, <clears throat> three. Fuck, fuck this, this song, song baby. baby. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, let's pick our favourites and our least favourites and continue the ever-continuing story of the carryover champs and chumps of Season 5. I'm going to go first because I feel pretty. (laughs) My favourite from this week, I'm going to give it to Into My Arms because it's such a fucking great song. Uh, however, my carryover champ remains, for now, full of Asher on the mother flippin' 45. Nice. My least favourite and new carryover chump, everybody is free to wear dat sunscreen. Baby. Yeah, yeah, I'm
3: uh doing the double. My new fave, my new carryover champ is Nick Cave into my arms. It's on. My new
0: Bottomer and Carryover Chump is everybody's free to wear sunscreen. Done. Nice, nice. Uh Fave, Nick Cave, uh I think I'll I'll keep you sound like Louis Bidet. It's very close. Like mm. if there's any, you know it'd be Splitting this. Hairs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um and I'm closing the loop.
4: Oh, oh. I'm closing it. Yeah, done! Yeah!
0: Do you remember? We oh. did it. Feels we terrible. It!
3: For for weeks, you kept saying, it right, means I'll have to hear a worse <laughs> song if
0: I ever close the loop."
4: And, and here I it is.
0: because yes. Beaver Loop is terrible, but like. This is it makes yeah. me so angry. Yeah, yeah. Beaver Loop, you are free to go. Yeah, we wow. yeah. have exercised wow. the like, demons until they're in next year's countdown. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's like they've, they've been
3: released from detention.
2: <laughs> <Like> they <laughs> they finished writing. Yeah, they I will. I
0: will
4: not write bad songs
3: I will not reopen the loop
2: (laughs) yeah that's right I must not reopen the loop
1: (laughs) I hope they've learned their lesson Mm -hmm. I really Um, hope so look I'm not gonna break this chain I'm 100% gonna put it as like okay the tea party temptation (laughs)
4: illusions
1: (laughs) shitty horny magic shows are one thing but this is a this is a chain email (laughs) good grief we have to we have to not forward this on (laughs) (laughs) extremely cursed holy shit Shit. Uh, yeah, we want to break this chain. Oh, and your fave. Oh, my fave is definitely into my arms. Hey! For sure. In a big way.
2: Did we all do it? I think this is Round Table. We, yeah, Round we Table. All... Hey!
4: But nice. you But
1: your champ. Your champ? I mean, I really love Monkey Ranch. and it's a very special song to me. Yes. But. Yeah, you know what? Like, why not?
4: Hey! Nice.
2: Oh, boy. Anyways. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and tell your friends and tell your enemies. And uh, something that we really,
3: really love in doing this podcast is um, getting responses from you guys. Mm. But so one thing we're doing uh, this year is a bit different, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're hoping to do is devote a part of time in the
1: remix episode to basically giving a forum on the podcast directly for, you know, any kind of corrections, comments, yes. queries. Um, if you were there, if you weren't there, if you just got some feelings, if you, if you've ever been listening to the podcast and you're like, man, I wish I was there so I can say this. <laughs> say that.
0: And so we're after, like, text, but also you can record something, even just Please on do. your phone or your computer or whatever, and send us through because we can just put that straight in the episode and you'll yeah. hear yourself on Please. the magic of podcasting. Yeah. We'll have
3: it like a dialogue. It's like you're one, <laughs> one of the gang.
2: Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. We, will, we can cross live to you. Yeah, It's exactly. like, here's Tom with the report. Yeah, yeah g'day, guys. This is Tom. <laughs> just wanted to tell you the beaver loop are fucking sick. Thanks, Tom. Yes, <laughs> thanks exactly. for nothing, Tom.
4: <laughs> if, if, yeah. Thanks for
3: nothing. If you can record <gasps> something like that, uh, send it over to us. Uh, yeah. I guess email will be best for that. That's um, hottest100s and 1000s at gmail.com. Please send us through that. If it's text-based, also fine. We're happy to engage in a dialogue like that. Send us through a yeah. Facebook or email. It's always great. But yeah, we're really looking forward to this. We're still going to devote the first half of the remix episode to talking about the songs that we would have voted for at the time that we would have loved to have heard in the countdown. Yeah. But we would like to spend the second half of the episode having a dialogue about what we missed, what we got right, what we got factually wrong, what we got opinionatedly wrong. Please, Please come at us. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. And of course, if you've had anything, uh, like any issues with anything that I've said personally my number is 0403 (laughs) yeah please fight David (laughs) (laughs) please come into the studio and fist fight me I invite you we'll also put that in the remix episode yes we will yeah on behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald good night Mr. Nathan Harrison and Mr. Adam Buncher cheers my name is David James Young everybody's free to be good for you yeah